Good morning, Every Nation Ramsar. So good to be with you this morning. Today we start our Exodus series, Good News for Misfits. Everyone needs good news. We all need good news. All of us have been asking questions sometime in our life. Is the Bible what it says it is? Can I trust the promises of God? Can I can I expect from God what I read in the Bible? Who is God anyway? What is his plan for my life? Do I want to journey with God going forward? These are questions you, the friends around you, people around you have been asking. This series is meant to answer those questions. This series is meant to take you on a journey into an understanding of who God is for you, who God is for your people, who God is for this nation, what God's plan is for us as a people and for us as individuals. Today's sermon is called Jesus in Your Journey and it's based on Exodus 1 and Exodus 2, which is part of your reading plan, the first part of your reading plan, Exodus 1 and 2. Approximately 3,500 years ago, a ragtag bunch of at least 1 million slaves packed up their goods and walked out from under the nose of their oppressors. While God held back the most powerful army of the time and held back an entire sea. After 400 years of injustice and indignity, they simply walked into their freedom. Their story is our story. Their story is your story. Epic experiences of murder, burning bushes, plague, signs and wonders, and miraculous provision mark their footsteps. And yet, through the whole exodus, you see a million people wrestling with God, wrestling with their identity, struggling to believe in God's goodness, struggling to have faith. And through it all, you see the loving kindness of God leading them and the holiness of God transforming them. Their journey is our journey. Their journey is your journey. The book of Exodus is the second book of the Bible and it means departure or going out. At the time of the events recorded in it, Egypt was a superpower. It was the dominant military power. It had iron chariots, something that other nations didn't have. It used its military power to dominate the nations around it. It was an economic powerhouse. Once a year, the Nile flooded and provided that area with a crop of abundant, abundant grain. They were easily the most econo or the most economically, sorry, the most economically powerful nation of the area. They were renowned for their connection to the occult powers, to the supernatural powers of the gods of the age. They had religious systems, priests that were able to tap into kind of the, the dark mysteries and the dark powers of the universe. They were revered everywhere. They were certainly known as the most powerful nation of the region. At the same time, Israel was a bunch of ragtag slaves in the midst of Egypt. They had arrived there in a group of 70 people seeking refuge from a drought in Canaan. Under a friendly pharaoh, they had been settled in an area called Goshen, and there they had multiplied into the millions. Now, as we read the story, 
a new family of pharaohs had arisen. These pharaohs that we find in this book were very hostile to Israel. They were afraid of this nation that was burgeoning in their midst. They were afraid that they would, they would work together with the enemies of Egypt and rise up from the midst to take over Egypt. The story that, this fabulous story of Israel in Egypt experiencing this miraculous, miraculous redemption, this miraculous salvation, this miraculous outpouring of God's power that brought them out of slavery and into freedom has often, scholars have often wondered, could this possibly have been true? Could, could God supernaturally have brought plague after plague on Egypt? Could God have parted the Red Sea in such a miraculous display of his power? Are these simply the folk tales of a nation or is this history? Interestingly enough, there is a papyrus or an extra biblical writing from the time called, very unimaginatively, Papyrus 348. And on this papyrus is written this statement, the hippiri are used to drag stones to the great pylon. Very innocuous statement, but basically what it's saying, the hippiri was the word that would eventually become our word Hebrew, in other words, there were this Hebrew people that were used as slaves to build, to drag stones for these giant construction projects of the Egyptians. We know from that that what we are looking at is God stepping into history and God changing things. Our hope is that as we journey through this book, that you would see that we serve a God who steps into history. And he changes things. He stepped in through Moses to change things. He stepped in through Jesus to change things. And he is stepping in right now through the Holy Spirit into your life and to all of our lives, into the life of our nation to change things. God is the God of history. God is the God of the now. And God is the God of the future. Traditionally, the author of the book of Exodus is thought to be Moses. And it seems likely because it's really so much about his leadership of the nation of Israel. But we know it to be true because Jesus, who had divine and complete knowledge, when he quoted the book of Is sorry, when he quoted the book of Exodus, he attributed it to Moses. So we're pretty certain that Moses wrote it. Why are we going to study the book of Exodus, you might ask? There are two reasons. First of all, it exemplifies the way God redeems individuals and nations. It's a natural picture of what we can experience spiritually and naturally today in our relationship with God. Just like Israel, we are brought out of slavery through a savior who defeated the powers of oppression, injustice, and evil. Just like Israel, we are protected from spiritual death just as the Israelites were protected from natural death by painting the blood of a slaughtered lamb on their doorposts and the lintels of their houses. That lamb for us is Jesus Christ. 
1 Corinthians 10 verse 2 tells us that Israel was baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. It's referring to the crossing of the Red Sea. When, when they left Egypt, they faced the Red Sea and Moses extended his staff at the direction of God over the Red Sea. And Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry land. Spectacular story. Read it if you don't believe me. Extended his staff and Israel walked through. The Bible in 1 Corinthians 10 says this was a kind of baptism of the people. It says they were baptized into the cloud, which is reference to a pillar of cloud that directed the steps of Israel. The presence of God traveled with them and in fact led them through a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So we are baptized into Christ through the waters of baptism. As they were baptized into Moses, so we are baptized into Christ. And we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and we have the presence, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit leading us like that pillar of cloud led the Israelites. The second half of the book of Exodus is all about their wanderings in the wilderness. The first part is about their escape from Egypt. The second part is about their wanderings in the wilderness. And in the wanderings in the wilderness, they build under the instruction of God a tabernacle or a giant tent in which the presence of God comes to dwell amongst them. In John 1 verse 14, John the Apostle writes that Jesus came to dwell among us. When he uses that phrase, dwell among us, it's, it's the word, the same word as tabernacle that was used in the Old Testament for the dwelling place of God in the wilderness. Jesus came to tabernacle with us. In other words, as God dwelt with the Israelites in the wilderness, in that tabernacle, so Jesus comes to dwell with us, tabernacle with us in our everyday life today. In other words, the story, the story of redemption that we read about Israel as God came with a mighty hand, showered down plagues on Pharaoh and the Egyptians in order to force them to let Israel go. The how he protected them from death, how he moved before them in power in this pillar of cloud and smoke, how he parted the Red Sea, how he dwelt with them in the wilderness and taught him their wa his ways and taught them holiness and how to be his people in that same way that God dealt with Israel, in the same way that God redeemed them, took them out of the oppression and the difficulties and the heartache and the injustice of their present environment into the life and the blessing and the freedom and the fullness of God's just rule. So God works with us today to take us from the injustice of the oppression of evil that we experience right now. The injustice that is done to us, but also the injustice that we've inflicted on others. This, this, this environment of justice, injustice, how he redeems us from that through the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and takes us to a place of freedom, justice, life, where we live in his holiness, where we become his people. The story of Exodus is God forming a people for himself. The story of your life, my life, the life of the church in South Africa, the life of the nations, is God calling for himself a people from amongst the nations and forming the people of God. The story, the story of Exodus is our story. Their journey is our journey. Their journey is your journey. 
as Moses, the second reason we study the books, book of Exodus is that Moses, as Moses was a savior to Israel, so Jesus is the ultimate savior to all the nations of the world. Jesus meant us to see him as the ultimate Moses. We know this because the way he lived his life, the way he walked, the things he did so closely mirror the life of Moses that any Israelite watching from a, the outskirts, watching from the sidelines, the life of Jesus would have said, hey, wait a minute, this man is walking the path of Moses. This man is doing the things that Moses did, yet he's doing them without sin, yet he's doing them without failure, yet he's doing them without, he's doing perfectly what Moses did imperfectly. When Jesus was born, an order was given by the then ruler of that area by the name of Herod, that all the male children of that area in Bethlehem would be killed. He was trying to kill the savior that he feared would be coming to take over his rule. In the same way, when Moses was born, Pharaoh gave an order that all the male children of Israel would be killed because he feared the Israelites. God spared Moses and God spared Jesus. Jesus was born a Hebrew, as was Moses, and they both spent time in Egypt in their youth. Jesus, it was a short time he spent in Egypt. Moses spent 40 years. As Moses went through the Red Sea as a kind of baptism with the nation of Israel, so Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. We can read it in Matthew 3. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness as he had been raised in Egypt. He went out one day and he saw an Egyptian man beating, oppressing an Israelite. And he went out and he killed that Egyptian. He buried that Egyptian in the sand and hoped no one would see, but someone saw. And he had to flee Egypt. And he spent 40 years in the wilderness with another family, learning the ways of the wilderness. Jesus spent 40 years, uh, sorry, Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil in the same way that Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness learning the ways of the wilderness. Jesus went up a mountain and from that mountain he preached and taught the people of God about the ways of God, how to live as the people of God. You can read that as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6 and 7. Moses in the same way went up Mount Sinai, he received the Ten Commandments and all of the law and he came down and he taught the people how to be the people of God. Moses did imperfectly what Jesus came to do perfectly. As Moses was in the journey of Israel to freedom as a kind of forerunner of the ultimate savior that was, would come, so Jesus is in our journey to be the savior, to be our redeemer, to be the one that will bring us into the ultimate freedom, that will bring the people into, of God out of captivity to become a people separated to God, a people 
who belong to God. As Moses was in the journey of Israel to freedom, so Jesus is in our journey to freedom. Jesus is in our journey. Why is Jesus in our journey? Because he's promised to be so. Why was God in the journey of Israel? Why was God working these miraculous powers? Why was God working in this extraordinary way in the life of Israel? Because he promised to. We read in Exodus 2, 23 and 25, 2.25, this. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groanings. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. In other words, God moved for Israel because he had promised he would. God is faithful to his promises. God looked at the struggling people and he remembered the promises he had made to their forefathers. You may say, I can't remember God making promises to me. The same promises that stand for the nation of Israel stand for you too. The promises that God made that caused him to act, that caused his mercy to be activated on behalf of Israel are the same promises that he has made to you. The first time God promised to Israel to be their God and to bless them was in Genesis 12 verse 3. It says this, I will bless those, he's talking to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and, and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This was the promise that God was remembering. This was the promise that God was saying, I have promised this people. I have promised the descendants of Abraham that I will bless them. Therefore, I cannot leave them in that state. I cannot leave them in Egypt. I will answer their prayers. That same prayer, that same promise that God made to Abraham was a promise to bless all the families or all the nations, other translations say, all the nations of the earth in that promise, there you are. Way back when, 2000, not much more than 2000, many thousands of years ago, Abraham sat with God and God made a promise that he would bless all the nations of the earth. That's you. Therefore, even if you can't think of a single promise that God has made you, this promise stands as the promise of all promises, as the beacon above you, as the banner above Israel, as the banner above South Africa, as the banner above your family, as the banner above your people, above your family that says there is a God who will answer your prayers, who will reach down and redeem you and your people. God was with Israel in big and powerful ways and in small providential ways. He was with Israel in the powerful miracles that happened in the 10 plagues that we will talk about in future sermons that came upon the nation of Egypt. He was, he was with Israel during their flight from Egypt. He was with them as they crossed the Red Sea. He was with them in powerful ways to bring provision, supernatural provision in the wilderness in these big powerful demonstrations of his goodness, of his supernatural ability. God was with them. But at the same time, God was with them just in the inconsequential, in the unseen ways, in the, in the coincidences of life. God is with you in the big powerful ways, but he's also with you in the providential ways. 
Providence simply means the unexplained coincidences in your life that were orchestrated by God. From the time you were born, God has been working and maneuvering and moving the pieces to bring about a redemption story for you, just as he was bringing about a redemption story for Israel. Acts 17 verses 26 and 27 says this, And the God who made the world and everything in it made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. In other words, there are no there are no coincidences. God is orchestrating and moving each of our lives toward toward a perfect ending of his redemption. He has put things in place to bring about a cry from your heart for him, to bring about his answer of redemption and to lead you out of captivity, injustice, heartache, pain, inequality, ungodliness, evil, to lead you out of those places into, into a place where you learn to be his people, into a place where you stand with him in the fullness of who you were created to be and his glory is manifested in your life. There are no coincidences in your life. There were no coincidences in, in Israel. It may have seemed like a coincidence that, that Moses was in the water in a basket preserved by his mother when Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river it may have seemed like a coincidence, a coincidence, but it most certainly was a God happenstance. God was there. It may have seemed like a coincidence that, that Moses was raised in Egypt and spent time in the wilderness and that he stood at the cusp of his manhood and he stood in his manhood having experience in the rhetoric of Egypt and having experience in leading people in the wilderness and that he was the perfect candidate to lead Israel out of Egypt. It may seem like a coincidence, but it was no coincidence. God was at work in the life of Moses. God was at work in the life of Israel to bring about these things, to bring about the perfect culmination of circumstances that he could redeem his people. God is at work in your life in a similar way, in the unseen places in the ordinariness of the coincidences of your life, he's at work to bring about his plan. Your journey in Jesus begins when you choose to say yes to Jesus. When you say, I, I see how, how you have promised something great to me. You have promised to bless me. You have promised to lead me into something good. I see all the providential moves of God in my life. I see how God has brought me to this place to not only hear this message, but to be faced with certain decisions. And as I stand in that place, I have the choice to say yes or no. My first, my first point of call of beginning the journey into Christ is to say yes to Jesus is to say yes to the journey, despite the fact that I don't know exactly what's coming. I don't know exactly what will be on the way. I don't know what perils we'll face. I am going to have to leave behind a lot of what I know. I'm going to have to take some courageous steps in following the presence of God. I am going to have to stand before a sea and 
and trust that God will part it for me. I'm going to have to live in a wilderness and trust that he will provide for me. I'm going to have to walk step by step, hand in hand with him, with him dwelling in my midst into my promised land, into the place he has called me, into the place where he will glorify himself in my life. The first, the first step is to say yes to Jesus. The second step is a responsibility to obey Jesus on the way. And we certainly see this in the journey of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land, is that time and time again, they did not obey. Time and time again, they grumbled and complained. Time and time again, they chose not to trust God. And we step into a place where we are responsible to obey Jesus. We've said yes to him, and now we must walk every step in obedience to him. We must walk every step trusting him. We must be willing to face the unknowns of our life with God by our side, with Jesus in our hearts, empowered by the Holy Spirit, obeying him, taking the steps he asks, doing the things he has asked of us. The third step we take is receiving grace. What does this mean? Grace is not some ethereal kind of concept. Grace is the empowering presence of God within us, enabling us to do what we could not do before. We've spoken about this extensively this year. Let's come right back to it. One of the slogans we had for this year was that we were to make space for grace. Walking in grace means this, is that I am expectant of God's power in my life. I'm expectant that as I say yes to Jesus and as I obey him, there will be an ability in me to do what he's asked, even if there was not that ability before. I'm expectant that seas will part. I'm expectant that provision will come. I'm expectant that God will be who he says he is, that God will be true to his promises, that God will answer, that God will be with us, and that God's power will be on display to glorify him through my life. We rely on his grace. We trust in his grace. We live in his grace. We walk in his grace. In conclusion, Jesus is in your journey. We know this because of the eternal promises that he has made to us through Abraham. And we can see this through the unexplained coincidences that have brought you to where you are. This is his providence. We can trust his powerful love to lead us forward to his promised land as we turn ourselves towards Christ and begin a journey into Jesus and continue a journey with Jesus and his grace. Lord, I pray for everyone watching this sermon, Lord God. I ask, Lord God, that the, the story of Exodus would become their story, Lord God. The understanding of everything that they, have ex that they read in that book as they journey with this, Lord God, would become their experience. They would see Jesus in his power. They would see God in his majesty. They would see Israel facing the obstacles and being loved no matter what. Father, I pray that it would create a confidence in them that would enable them to live the life you've called them to, that would enable them to be confident in your love for them and be confident in stepping out and doing the things you have called them. Amen and amen. As we close, we are trusting that this 
this series in Exodus, Good News for Misfits, will certainly reach every kind of people. We are trusting that people with questions, people who are uncertain of their own destiny, people who have tried Christianity sometime, but, but it, hasn't, it hasn't really satisfied them. They, they still see the promises of God and not sure how that really works for them. We are hoping to reach all those kind of people. What do, you, what do you need to do to be part of this movement that we are, we are seeing start as we, as we look at this journey through Exodus? How can you be a part of, of furthering what God wants to do through this time? How can you have those questions answered for yourself? If you are one of those person, people, how can you help people around you to have those questions answered? First of all, you can join a group or you can help a friend join a group. You can start a group and you can ask your friends to join that group with you. This series will last from the 20th of September, which is today, until the 20th of December. It's a good long time, but it's also not forever. You can run that group for that length of time, enjoy it. If you don't like running a group, you can say, okay, I did it, tick that box, moving right on. But for that period of time, you can start a group, run a group with exceptional material, brilliant questions, great discussion guide, journey with us reading through the book of Exodus, listening to the sermons, and delving deep into each of your journeys, each of your redemption stories, how God is working with you to bring you into a place of blessing to the promised land. And last of all, you can journey with a group. If you're already in a group, we're asking you to be faithful to that group for this period of time and to journey with us through our understanding of this book, to journey with us as we unwrap the, the good things that God is doing. That the, excuse me, that we unwrap the good things that God did to the nation of Israel and for the nation of Israel and see how those apply to our lives. You can journey with a group. Join a group, start a group, journey with a group. God bless you. If you want to be a part or know anything more about this series, please click on the link that is provided, the WhatsApp link, and we will get you hooked up with people. We will answer your questions. We will help you get involved. God bless you.